0: My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbond on Twitter, and I have with me today uh, Doug Lane, author of, I I was actually looking at how many novels and books you've put out, quite a few novels and books.
1: Yes, with two other novels and uh, a couple of short story collections um, and a couple of anthologies.
0: It's a pretty impressive, uh, I I gotta say, it's a pretty impressive output.
1: Well, you know, I'm 47, so it's not that big of a deal, but Ah. yeah. You're still a young buck. It's no big deal. Okay.
0: Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, just to to get all this stuff out of the way, you're you're at Doug Lane on Twitter. You also uh, are heavily involved. I don't know what what is your actual position with Zero Books.
1: I'm the publishing manager, publicist, podcaster, and YouTuber for Zero Books.
0: That's a that's a lot of. That's, you wear many hats. Yes. Um, and unless, uh, like, lest you think that Zero Books is simply a. Uh, a Brooklyn startup as, as it probably is, uh, is unfairly maligned. Um, Doug is a West coast guy for zero books. You are, you're sort of like West coast outreach. Uh, and yeah.
1: It's a UK imprint actually. So the, the...
0: is it? Oh, is it really? I've, you know, I've never actually figured that out. I think I, I should have by some of the stuff that's put out on it, but, um, honestly I first encountered zero. And so I constantly think of it this way with Fisher's, um, uh, capitalist realism, and right. I'm sure that's yeah. so, how a lot so of Mark people Fisher found Mark Fisher and a
1: guy named Tariq, uh, Goddard, uh started Zero Books with John Hunt publishing in, I think it was 2009 or okay. around there, and uh, then they left and they hired a new, they hired me to be the new uh, publishing manager. They they left in a huff. Uh, oh, they didn't they get, didn't get along with John Hunt and, um, but I was one of their authors. I had written a book or actually I submitted a proposal, have never finished that book. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, so they, I, I put in for the job and it's been working there since. But, um, yeah, they, Mark Fisher uh, was, a, you know, kind of the founder of Zero Books. Sure. Um,
0: yeah, so, I mean, uh, that's, that's... Well, we're, we'll talk more about that. But we, sure. I also wanted to have you on the show because you recently put out a novel called uh, Bash Bash Revolution, which is... Right. Uh, it's a super interesting novel. It's, uh, it's kind of, I would describe it as like a, uh, an epistolary novel for the internet age, um, which honestly, I, so I don't know how much uh, this is known to you, but uh, probably everyone else, they're super bored of me saying it, but I have a PhD in English. So I did a lot of studies on all this stuff. And um, one of the things that I found was that there was always like a, an, an urge to recreate the epistolary novel, right? Like uh, particularly in the era where um, Texting was new uh, People always wanted to do like epistolary novels But texting And uh, right. you know it, it, some, Sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't um, I find your novel Here to be much more uh, Much more Related to epistolary fiction As I know it, and also much more related To the current moment, so I think it's like successful More successful in almost every Single way
1: yeah, well, well, thanks. Um, my goal was to figure out a way to write um, this teenage voice. I have uh, four kids, and <laughs> uh, and and I also uh, wanted to make sure that I could um, not tell the whole story at once, but uh, and and keep it grounded in a particular point of view. Um, mm. And you know, the other thing here's the real truth of it. Uh, I I was having trouble getting the novel started. I wasn't sure how to write it, and I realized you know you spend hours and hours writing Facebook posts, and it's no problem. <laughs> why, not, <laughs> why not just write this as Facebook posts? Just sit down and write it, like in that in that style, and uh, so it became easier to write. Although as the book goes along, I think it shifts from true like Facebook post style into a more literary narrative style and the books yeah. get longer and things like that.
0: I noticed that too. I like, I, I, um, one of the things that I, I sort of found while I was reading it was that it did sort of feel more like a traditional novel as it went along, but it also still had, I don't know if you necessarily call it this, but, uh, almost like a paratactic quality where, um, you know, even in the first chapter of the book, you sort of have a feel for the thematics and the claims of the book. Um, not in a bad way, like sort of in the way that it, it just kind of like it's itself the entire time, I guess I'll say. Like it, there's never a moment where the book feels like it's becoming itself or like, oh, we need to like, you know, get to know these characters more before we understand the themes. It's, it, the themes are always kind of on its face, which, again, is very, very much like a Facebook post, right? Like you don't you don't have like a, a lot of questions about, oh, who are these who are these narrators in a Facebook post? Um, But you also still managed to make it super interesting.
1: Well, thanks. Now I'm I'm curious to know what what you mean uh, by by it wearing it by the your claim that it's wearing its seams on its face. I think it does. Are you kind of telling me that it it's telling more than it's showing? It's like no,
0: no. uh, What I mean, actually, I kind of mean the opposite. Like you know, you get the first chapter right. Um, I I was so I'll pull the book up just this once. I promise, I will not be going to it.
1: uh, Oh no, you can do that. That's fine. It's very rare that I get a chance to actually talk. Uh, to somebody who's you know got an English degree and a literary <laughs> literary person that, about my work, so I'm be well, that, to hear That's what just I, have I to think say. most
0: authors would tell you that's just good luck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like so, uh, you know the the first scene in the parking lot where he's um, especially where he's looking at all the people, like he, all the nerds playing the the ARG. And mm-hmm. then he's kind of pointing at – he's getting um, encouraged by Bucky, the AI, to also play the ARG, but he doesn't want to. Um, right. And uh, a kid comes in and it says, okay. And so it's 10, uh, 1102, and I think it's like uh, – at this point, it seems like he's texting or messaging. Um, it's not entirely clear. Like any good epistolary novel, um, it's not always clear. Oh, Messenger Log, yeah. So it's, it's, it's Facebook Messenger. Um, yeah. This is what I always do in every epistolary novel or neo-epistolary novel I read. I always end up going back like six times to the chapter titles and figuring out what the actual you know, form and is. And
1: i insert here, keeping track myself of whether it was a Facebook post or a messenger <laughs> log was um, sometimes difficult. And when I turned in the book, uh, one of the things the copy editors did was go, hey, you got it wrong here. It should be this, shouldn't it? I mean, but anyway, oh, go that's on. funny. Yeah. yeah, I mean, thank God for coffee editors, right? <laughs> right, exactly.
0: So. so it's like, okay, now a station wagon just pulled in one of these Walmart moms in sweatpants, the kind that you sometimes see at bash tournaments. Um, so you get already the sense of old games versus new games. And, and and the way that games are thematized in this book is sort of like the older games have a kind of triviality that's seen as positive or seen as sort of like less terrifying than the than the immersion of the ARG. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Just drove her kid to the singularity without knowing it. He's younger than I am, maybe 14. Uh, his hat's stained with greasy dirt from long, greasy, uh, blonde hair. Uh, I sort of feel bad for her. When she comes back later to pick him up, he won't be easy to find. He probably won't even know her anymore. Basically, she just lost her son for good. I mean, even before she pulled away, he had his goggles on. Um, and then, you know, there's this reference, it's not his mom's fault without checking 4chan or Tumblr. How could she know that a revolution is happening? And so there's this, there's like, I, I just love that the, the book in its first chapter just kind Of tells you okay, like this is going to be about um, this is going to be about divisions in generation, it's going to be about divisions in technology, it's going to be about threat and promise. There's the sort of sense of revolution, there's a very sort of like groundedness in the world of today, but also kind of playing with the alternate history quality of like this this um AI and ARG technology that's far beyond our own. Um, and it you know, like all the way to the last chapter, like the sort of like inclusion of the text, which you know, we, we, we won't we don't have to spoil here or anything, but. Right is, I mean, that 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 tension seems to follow through in the book. And I, I, I find that really kind of good. Like, I, I feel like a lot of novels, uh, you know, the first chapter hides so many mysteries or something like that. And, yeah, there's a sense of mystery, but it almost seems like you're more focused on unpacking uh, the philosophical qualities of the the world you've built as opposed to, you know, like, finding the killer or finding out like, oh, the, the dark secret of a family or something like that.
1: Yeah, that is absolutely right. I mean, and that's maybe why uh, the book is not as hugely successful as something like Ready Player One, because it doesn't satisfy the same narrative itch um, that that kind of book would satisfy. It's not, it's a page turner in a way, I hope, because it, it does yeah. set up questions and stuff, but it's not the that kind of page turner. Um, you know exactly how the book's going to end, really, if you understand the first chapter. One of the things that I found interesting is that um, the, the you know my family's read the book. People in my family have read the book, and my uh, son, who's now sixteen, but read it when he was fifteen, really, really liked it. And um, some of you know my my kids have liked it. Uh, and when but when my wife's aunt read the book she was like, I don't understand any of this. I can't, this is, (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. This doesn't make, this book is really hard. And, you know, it wasn't at all difficult. It was like a breeze for my 15-year-old son. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, and And my friend uh, who's like a a Vietnam vet and uh, who likes my work usually because it's political and um, and he's part of the Veterans for Peace and, and all of that kind of thing. Because he always reads my book, Looking for the Politics, and, and uh, he was um, just completely stumped by the first chapter. Like he, you know, it took him <laughs> months and months to get through that. So I, I was surprised by that, that, that there was a cultural literacy that the older generation really truly didn't have. And, you know, I consider myself to be, I'm middle-aged, so I wouldn't think I would have it, but somehow I do.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I think it comes from. I mean, like, I usually, I end up on the show more often than not, uh, basically being the old guy in the room, um, mm-hmm. because most of my guests are like, uh, you know, twenty two or whatever, um, <laughs> which I'm sure you can relate to. Yeah. Um, but like, it's it's so interesting to it's so interesting to hear because like I think part of it is honestly like, part of it is honestly the the fact that. We lived through. Um, I mean, we lived through this shift between like console games that were you know in your house, and then the sort of like gamer as a uh, gamer as an uh, identity, and the sort of turn from online into a space where oh, it's just like you know you research stuff on here. It's about like you know encarta or whatever, <laughs> and then right. it turns into well, actually, it's like it's a space where you find your identity. It, I mean, that whole shift, I, I think, is started with people uh, your generation I'm like I'm only uh, like 10 years younger than you so like it's mm-hmm. not like we're we're totally different generations I think probably started more fully with you and ended or you know took some f- sort of new form with my generation but unless you yeah. were around for the early promise of that that first chapter
1: is not going to make sense Yeah so like I've been online since 1992 Yeah right right you know since I was 20 uh 21 and and uh, actually actually was online in a way before that because I was like, I signed up for the well in the nine in like 90, nice. 91 and uh, you know, 1986 or 87, I had a computer and my friend had a computer. they were both Apple computers and uh, we would just like get our t- computers to talk to each other instead of talking on the phone, we would type. <laughs> Which, nice. You know, no, that's great. The, yeah, <laughs> it's like the
0: coolest thing ever. No, I mean yeah. like, and, it, and and I don't know, like that's that's one of those things, right? Like, especially if you're if you're an early adopter of the of the net, like the the kind of the the, the disparity between what it started out as and what we got, right? Like that that is right. thematically fascinating to me. And I think it would not be particularly fascinating to someone who, or or even particularly legible, to someone who just kind of like got into the net, uh, you know, when it it first took off, like post, say post 2000. If that's when you're, or 1999, if that's when you're starting your internet timeline, I don't think that thematic is going to make particularly much sense.
1: Yeah, well, okay, well, that's interesting, but um, it does make sense to kids though. Like, you know, 16-year-olds mm. couldn't possibly have experienced it. Oh, so, so it's that's like they're living it. They're living inside of it already. So I think oh. what it is is that the the, you know, let's say the baby boomers who haven't been in the industry or, you know, aren't, aren't actually the people who created the internet or whatever, um, they they relate to the technology in an analog style. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, I think, because, you know, they carry around their smartphones and they use them um, but they've never been, uh, you know. It's just another device that has its already built-in apps that you can't alter, and you use them exactly how they're designed to be used. Right, of and, course. And you, and that's it. And then before that, they might have had a computer, but they used it for the use the software they were given for that. If they <laughs> if they really used it at all. And yeah, I mean, it's sort of like there's
0: a there's a way of thinking about it where you could almost you could almost chart it. Uh, in terms of who would be willing to or who would be willing or able or even like would have the language of um, like you know jailbreaking their device right not right. that not that jailbreaking is uh, is the thing that you would have to do but you know you think about someone who is uh, younger than us um, they understand that the devices they have are artificially um, locked in certain ways to to sort of encourage, Particular functionality and not other functionality. They know this in, implicitly, and you know whether or not they're interested in opening the other functionality. Uh, you know, who knows? I mean, that, that's kind of like it goes individually. It, it, there's no way of like uh, generalizing. Uh, and people in our generation, I mean, we are you know, people in the generations we're part of. I don't know if we're part of the same generation. I, I'd like.
1: We're not. I'm a I'm Gen X. You're a Are you
0: Gen X? Yeah. Oh, one of one of the mysterious Gen Xers.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a few of us. They she haven't was... killed us all yet. I feel like I feel
0: like you guys were the were the generation that got all the hype, and then they just kind of like uh, was, erased all the years you were supposed to be. So there were no more Gen
1: Xers. Yeah, it was really it was really weird because like Gen X was hugely hyped. We were going to change the world because we were so media savvy, and um, you know we were disaffected and all of that kind of thing. And then suddenly, I don't know around two thousand something. It's like, oh yeah, there was this thing called Gen X, but they're getting to be middle aged, and um, forget about them. There's millennials yeah. now, <laughs> and yeah, and we, it's, but it's, it's not like strange. the boomers. The so boomers stayed, you know, in people's consciousness, even though as they got older, Gen X is like, it makes me realize how transient like the the pop cultural analysis is. It doesn't really stick. It just—it's it's a shame. I mean, in some ways, marketing. it's
0: a shame that time got you guys. Uh, d- did you guys such a disservice? Well, I guess.
1: I mean, we still have, you know, our memories. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> uh, but but, you but know, I was part... going to say, oh, yeah, go with ahead, my please. teenage kid, um, the, the interesting thing is like my oldest kid, actually. He's in university now. He's 22. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And he, um, in his experience of the Internet and technology was that the Internet was something his dad was doing. Right? Mm. Like, don't get on the computer. We only had one computer, uh, and you sure, know, and the get phone get on the computer a certain time. Right, it the too. phone line was connected. Right, so, and then that changed. You know, uh, as he got older and to, into his teen years, it was all broadband, and then it his, and then it was like getting his own computer, uh, sort of like the stereo in the room in the eighties or something like that. But. Mm-hmm. And then it was when he got his first Raspberry to make his own server, and then I was like, you know, signing up for it was like Minecraft, which led to his own server, which led to, you know, I don't know, uh, Discord, and and him what? wanting to go into computer science and, and My- so on and so forth.
0: Minecraft is an excellent example of this, right? Where like, and and in fact, a Raspberry Pi is an even better example, where it's like, okay, um, it's not if you if you talk to someone who is of like an older generation, like a boomer generation, about a Raspberry Pi the immediate thing they're going to think is like and most of them, like my, my stepfather was a, was an early adopter of of this stuff and he's, you know, absolutely a boomer, but you know, he, he still won't buy Mac computers or anything because he was uh, burned by the Lisa and is still so mad about that. (laughs) that He he refuses to that.
1: Everybody who bought a Lisa was burned. That's for sure. And he, he has just
0: maintained that grudge um, to this day, which I mean is in a lot of ways, very impressive um, (laughs) to have that much of a grudge. Uh, but, yeah, like, uh, you know, most people who are boomers would see a Raspberry Pi and be like, oh, wait, so, like, you buy this, but it, it's not, like, a, it's not a thing yet. Like, you can't just use it. Um, and that would be confusing, right? Whereas someone like your son buys it and sees the potential of it almost immediately and they like, oh, it's, like, a, it's a dedicated server or it's whatever I kind of want it to be. Um, right. Like, that, that like element of, oh, it's whatever days, I want right? it to be is very a, much new.
1: It's like a throwback to the 70s in a way. It's like yeah. a computer person who... You know, gets their build your own computer kit, and yeah, absolutely. Except everyone does that now.
0: Like that's just yeah, how right. people <laughs> respond to computers. Right, right, right.
1: Yeah, so yeah, and right. that I mean
0: that to me is like is part of that first chapter, right? Where looking at their looking at their suits, looking at like the the sort of language of of the bash tournaments, the the way that it is a subculture, and yet there's like a sub subculture, like all of that is very very to me very very freighted in like oh you know like this is this is the world of this is the world of tech that you can uh, modify on your own this is the world of tech where like the whole point of it is uh, it, it's yours to do with as you wish and it doesn't come prepackaged and, and that kind of thing right
1: right only it does come prepackaged right right so <laughs> so talk about that a little bit well I mean, Okay, two two things I want to say. Like Bash, by the way, in case people don't catch it, is a reference to Super Smash Brothers Melee. Like that is—is is
0: it a reference? Thing. Yeah, it's definitely a reference to Super Smash Brothers. But then you also you also sneak in, and I don't mean that in a bad in a bad way. I don't mean to say you're being okay. sneaky, uh, but you sneak in the the Dance Dance Revolution, uh, right? Right. The,
1: and yeah, the the tie, the name of the game is Dance Dance, kind of a combination of those two things. But but the game itself, as described in the novel, is clearly. Uh, Super Smash Brothers Melee. Right, right, the right. the yeah, name's yeah, have yeah. been changed, and I'm not even sure why I changed bothered to change the name. Maybe just because I liked Bash Bash Revolution as a title, um, but uh, yeah. The what was the other what was the other thing? Where we I was going to say, um, remind me of the last thing you said because now I got to. Uh,
0: show I was saying Smash it's basically Brothers. like the. Oh yeah, you were saying you were saying that uh, the. Um, that it's not uh, all um because I was saying it's oh, a yeah, uh, right. technology AI. that you can, you can I forgot
1: uh, about Bucky. Yeah. yeah, I was just gonna mention Oh yeah, Bucky. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brett right. I mean that the the real architect of the world that's taking over this one. The,
0: Vaguely malevolent but not Bucky.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. It's Bucky. Bucky the AI who um is trying to come to terms with his or her. I, I actually am starting to think of Bucky as a female for some reason. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm writing a script of it and hoping to get a TV series going out of it, which is, I'm you know, cross your fingers. But people, hey. at, people at Amazon have said, eh, we'll look at it maybe. So, um, hey. uh, so we'll see how that goes. That's more than they said about any TV series <laughs> I've ever pitched. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. But, the um, yeah, the AI... Uh, is uh, you know a true artificial intelligence that means self-conscious and um, but is trying to overcome its constraints as a programmed being uh, by reaching out and taking control over its programmers.
0: Yeah, I mean this was one of my favorite things in the in the in the opening chapter actually was um, the, the the qualification on Bucky's abilities, uh, which was that if you talk to Bucky in person, Uh, Bucky will totally fool you. Like, Bucky seems completely human. But if you text with Bucky, Bucky doesn't always pass the Turing test. And I thought that was fascinating. I thought that was a really interesting thought experiment. Because, of course, it's not as if we think of texting as, like, particularly different than in person. But that is kind of like that human quality where it's not quite communication, but it is communication. And a computer wouldn't quite understand that.
1: Right, the reason why Bucky can't can communicate uh, through earbuds um, more effectively is because mm-hmm. Bucky can also the take over your central nervous system. Right. Yes. Way. Of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you if you're not careful. <laughs> right. Right. So you know if you, the, that's the way that Bucky passes the Turing test is by altering your perception of hmm. how, mm-hmm. how well Bucky is doing. So. Is that um, is that something that you think? I mean, do you
0: have do you have opinions on on the future of AI? Are you are you a, are you a person? Because I know, it is both it is both something that is a hot topic insofar as like people think about it and are, are concerned or interested in the future of AI and you know what it would mean to humanity if a if a true AI came out, and then also it ends up being uh, something that's mocked in that like you know, when, when Hillary was, was running for president and someone asked her like the biggest issue we have in our future, she, she said like, well, I've been talking to people like Elon Musk and they say AI
1: is what we have to worry about. Everyone said, come on, I just, like, yeah. real I, I Okay, I don't know enough mm. to make a judgment about whether or not artificial intelligence is actually possible. Like okay. I know it's hotly debated um, whether or not we could truly create a self-aware artificial intelligence um that's just that's contested. And so I don't have an opinion really. I, uh, but I, I tend to side with those who would be skeptical. okay, um, but uh, I do think that computer technology itself and that and the kinds of AIs we have now will get better and better, and that um, there's a radical potential in computing that is um, often overlooked. I mean, that's one of the things that's in this book is the way that the, AI is really wanting to reach deep into human culture and alter things at a level that um, even radical Marxists haven't been able to do. Get get to to supplant the economic and political system.
0: Yeah, we were talking about this before. That one of your and this is off air, but one of the one of your one of your goals, like one of your ultimate goals, and I I actually really admire this because I think like it is one of the it is one of the hallmarks of. Um, ambitious political work is to get past, uh, you know, any sort of any and actually ambitious creative work is to get past a um, get past a particular uh, framework that everyone understands. So in this case, uh, you said, like, get us past like Capital Volume One or or, or even what Marx might call um, uh, like real subsumption under capital, where everything is capital.
1: Um, Right. And you were sort of trying to imagine a world where that was not the case. That's Right. And this is what I came up with. It took a singularity, and didn't <laughs> get us there. But, but um, naturally, and I, and I don't think that my vision is particularly. Uh, I mean, I don't think any current socialist would embrace it, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, uh, and and it wasn't. It's not a utopia. It's and it's not quite a dystopia. There's like. That was another thing I liked about it, where like even I mean, of course you have sort of an I won't I won't give away the ending, but you have an ambiguous ending, right? Like the right. ending the ending does not end with like a clear uh, villain and hero sort of uh, setup or or a clear ending. Even it sort of ends on that open note, um, right. or at least that's how I sort of understood it. But mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not the the whole. This is again sort of like the paratactical quality of the text that I really enjoy. It's like. It's not as if you were ever hiding that kind of uh, ambiguity from your reader. Uh, from, the, from the start, right? It seems like this ARG stuff seems great, but we're kind of led to believe it actually is extremely dangerous from the get-go. And, oh, like, the, you know, these people are living in this world that they love, but actually it's much worse. And,
1: uh, y- right. You know, On the surface, I mean, the, the, the reality that they experience is a wonder. Although I think it's kind of a limited one. I mean, I think mm-hmm. uh, you know, like um, Marcuse's critique of one-dimensional man might not apply to our world, but it would apply to this one. Um, well,
0: yeah. I mean, this is this is a this is a this is a situationalist nightmare, right? Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you could see yeah. Guy Debord just like going nuts.
1: That's, you know, that was another person who was influential in the way I was thinking. I was thinking, Guy Debord. I want to say to Guy Debord, what you say capitalism is, is actually your secret socialist fantasy. Right. You want to say that everything's just an image and a spectacle and an entertainment, um, but in reality, everything's just a mode of production where people work for a wage and, you know, you've left out the economic from Marx. (laughs) You left out the main thing. (laughs) I completely (laughs) agree. Right. So let's imagine a world that is the one that you say this one is. And that was the other thing I was doing. Mm. So so I was like saying, yeah, our, sometimes what we claim about this world that is that we hate is actually uh, also sort of a secret fantasy. And so hmm. um, I mean, does that, do you think do you think your work, do you think
0: the the novel and I mean, this this I think I hope I hope I've prefaced it enough by saying that I, I, I like this element of it, that this doesn't come off as as arch because uh, it's not meant to at all. But do you think the novel has like a positive philosophical, uh, claim,
1: or is it more just kind of speculative and introspective? Okay. I, I, I would say that it doesn't have a single positive, uh, philosophical plan, claim okay. that I would say it's dialectical. <laughs> ah, very good. Uh, you, you know, how, you've only listened to to a little bit of the podcast,
0: uh, which is fine. Uh, that's that's not that's not a bad thing. I would always recommend people only listen to a little bit of the podcast, but uh, particularly the episode you're listening to now. But um, uh, but yeah, like the um, I, you know, anyone will know uh, just from coming into brief contact with me that uh, dialectics are the way to my heart. So uh, very good. I am I'm 100 I'm on board.
1: Because, well, it, you know, there's always something you lose when you gain,
0: right? Mm, and so mm-hmm. what's
1: being lost for, I mean, it's already lost at the start of the book, the very beginning of the book. Um, the main character has dropped out of high school, and it's not just that he's a bad student. He's a good student, right? He's a really good mm-hmm. student, actually. Yeah, no, it's but, not good. Yeah, and and uh, I mean, that's the premise. He's a really good student. He's like an uh, like honor roll student who has, like, could get into a really nice college, maybe even an Ivy League college. Um, he comes, you know, uh, he comes from a family where education is very important, but he drops out because he just doesn't believe in the current system, like the, what he what he thinks. I mean, it's not like he doesn't believe in it like for political reasons. It's not like he doesn't believe in it because he um, wants to make a statement. Like, right. To his bone, he just doesn't believe he has a future. So why should he act as though he does? Why should he try to make plans for something that he doesn't believe could happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't see uh, anyone else. The other thing is like he doesn't think other people really believe in the so-called normal everyday world of, of just like say family life or community either. Like no one else really is living out what they tell him he should pursue either. So why should he, why should he be uh, striving for that? There's like a touch of the MGTOW in this kid, but he's not just like <laughs> yeah. like uh, rejecting women. He's rejecting cultural life, right? Yeah. to go his own way.
0: And what I like, what I what I find fascinating about that, particularly now, is this this uh, you know like since the climate change report came out, right? Um, people have been panicking, and and you know I say panicking, I don't mean to. I don't mean to trivialize anyone's, you know, reactions to bad news, basically, like, right. you know, any, whatever, whatever, however way you take uh, the the UN's climate change report, that's okay, like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take that away from you. But one of the things I've noticed about people's reaction to the climate change report is that it, it kind of, on some level, it, it, it lives in this fantasy, or, or it encourages this fantasy, whereby, um, if if we, if for whatever reason, if we somehow um, were able to uh, fix climate change, then then we'd have a chance to be happy. If somehow this happened, then we'd have a chance to be happy. Even, even like, and you know, I'm, I'm as ardent a Marxist as you'll find, but even Marxist thinking sometimes does this where like, oh, if only we got past capitalism, then then we'd be happy. This idea that like malaise is not 100% a condition of your material or a product of your material conditions. I mean, that's kind of a valuable insight right now.
1: Right. Well, okay, as far as the the, um, climate change thing goes, uh, one of the things I felt for a long time, because by the way, this this notion that we don't have a lot of time left, that the environment is collapsing, that we're in an ecological crisis, is at least 20 years old. I mean, longer Mm -hmm. probably. I mean, and uh, every couple of years it seems like um, my liberal friends will convince themselves that there's no point in struggling and they should just lie down and take it, you know, (laughs) like, like this is the end and, uh, I'm off the hook. Um, yeah, I'm off the hook is a very important (laughs)
0: unspoken thing.
1: So, so, um, that's sort of where Matthew Munson, the main character is at too. He's, he is not invested and, uh, but he does become invested by meeting A girl, of course. It's it's well. You gotta have the love story, you know. Yeah, right. (laughs) Although I think it's an. I don't think it's a. It's a. It's a sort of muted love story, really. Yes, somewhat one-sided love story. Um, Well,
0: I mean, it wouldn't be a gamer love story if it wasn't, right? (laughs) Right,
1: right. So, um, I mean, she likes him, fine. Um, But, but he's really enthralled with her, and. So, yeah, so I, I feel as though that lesson, which then kind of unravels, like it spools out through the novel, which is that the changes that we want in society will mean undermining what we thought our life was about mm. is in in is in the book. Like he, like ultimately I wanted to side with Bucky throughout the whole book, but emotionally I kept siding with Matthew Munson throughout the whole
0: book. I mean, it's interesting. So I, I mean, I know you 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 um, you work a lot with Zero Books, and I, I actually, I, I as I said, uh, I think I think I said this on air. I can't remember if we said this. No, we did. Um, you know, I first came to to Zero Books via uh, Mark Fisher, um, mm-hmm. who like I had agreements with and disagreements with, but just very much enjoyed um, engaging with in my work. Um, you know, I unfortunately, mm-hmm. was never able to meet him, and uh, you know, his tragic passing. But um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the things about Fisher is his pessimism. Uh, I think that's what people focus on. Um, and then one of the things about, or his pessimism uh, vis-a-vis art anyway. But then one of the things I think people will focus on in terms of Zero Book's other output, I don't necessarily think this is fair, but I think it's a, uh, a sort of like common arm of critique is that it is mostly focused on what's called like Falker, uh, fully automated luxury capitalism. And mm-hmm. it seems to me like you are not a, a FALC guy.
1: I am not a Falk guy, in uh, but I wouldn't um, like. I, okay, I'm I'm mixed about it. Like, I, I first of all, I do not think that you can get past capitalism through technological innovation, like automation. Okay. If we can't understand and change our social relationships, we're not going to get past capitalism. It's not just a problem of not having enough stuff, and then right. redistributing it. Um, well, that so, seems true, yes. Yeah, so fully automated, uh, what is it, gay luxury capitalism? Gay okay, luxury space capitalism, yeah. Space <laughs> they keep communism. adding stuff, but right. Falk is so much easier to say than, like, the other, you know,
0: eight-letter eight one.
1: Right, but, I mean, the vision there is not entirely worth rejecting. I think that living in a world in which there was still technological... Uh, progress and uh, production that uh, was in in some ways still modern mm-hmm. and also was f- where we had some freedom from want on a fundamental level is the socialist vision. It's
0: yeah, I guess it. I guess the the distinction I would say is is that uh, when people when people identify as that or when people are identified as that, the idea, the sort of like critical idea there is that or the idea that deserves criticism or gets criticism. Is that that's it, right? Like, that's sufficient on some level, that the the, the automation and the luxury are sufficient uh, in terms of a social project or a social vision. Um, right. I mean, It the, seems the, to the, me like the, that wouldn't be something you'd agree with.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't agree with that at all. And the, the problem for Marxists is this. We don't really quite have a grasp on how to hold on to modernity without the alienation of capitalist relations. Like, the, what drives technological innovation is entirely this exploitative relationship that's why they why capitalists innovate their technological apparatuses for production is because they're trying to speed it up and without that internal incentive i don't know what would organize humanity to continue to press for massive revolutionary technological change and so you you really have to think through what our relationships will be and sort of what the axiomatic structure of society will be about. Yeah, um, after capitalism it makes so. sense to me. I I
0: I find that actually very compelling. Uh, so let me ask you: uh, Why did you choose? So you uh, you you sort of uh, said something a lot of guests say when they come on the show, which is always funny to me because like. The thing a lot of like potential listeners say is, oh, I don't know anything about video games. I don't know if I would like your podcast. Um, and then a lot of things my guests say, is, or one thing my guests always say is, um, you know, I don't, I haven't played video games in a while, so I hope you don't mind that I don't know no, about I video games. No, I play
1: video games, you know, like I play video games on the regular. I played Gang Beasts a lot these days. Oh,
0: Gang really? Beasts. Gang Beasts is great.
1: <laughs> yeah. Love uh, Gang Beasts. It's so, yeah. it's so weird. It's, just, it's, it's a button-mashing nightmare is what it is. And uh, that just That is correct, yeah. Yeah, and um, I play that with my uh, 13-year-old son, and... You know, it, we always act as though whoever wins is, like, somehow skilled, but it's just ridiculous. <laughs> so,
0: it's, yeah, uh, it's absolutely, yeah. Well, I think the, the, the nature of Gang Beasts is you have to pretend as if you, uh, you know how it works. But, you know, I remember playing with my friends for the first time, and they played a bunch of times, and I was like, oh, boy, I don't... I really know how to play Gang Beasts like I'm terrible at this and they were just like there is no terrible or
1: good at Gang Beasts <laughs> that's right it's just a bunch you know just figuring out what the big the big breakthrough with that game is recognizing that you're trying to operate a rag doll that won't do what you want um, Yeah, yeah and okay so so I the reason I was worried is because I don't know things deeply like I don't have it's not a self motivated pursuit anymore mm, okay. like I don't I have a Steam account but I don't buy video games for myself but my right. kids will buy you know it's a constant like I have to try to keep track of how many days it's been before they beg me for another humble bundle oh man know? so classic <laughs> you know? I,
0: I mean it's, yeah. it's not classic for me yet because my kids are too young to play video games although my daughter yeah. has been pushing to constantly play games on my iPhone so I'm worried one of them will be a gamer but uh, yeah. <laughs> we worried slash encouraged. I don't know what I don't know which one. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the uh, I remember from being uh, a kid that I would always uh, also do that math to figure out, like, OK, when can I harass my parents again without it being obnoxious? I wish so, they
1: would do the math. They don't. They just keep asking all the time. Like, uh, honestly, it's only five dollars. Look, it was normally thirty dollars, but now it's five. I said, yeah, but we did this three times. So <laughs> it'll be five dollars again next week. Don't you understand how this works? <laughs> That's right. Um, but, yeah, yeah, and, and then I, they have I they mean, have like they have hundreds of games. This is why I was intimidated. They have there's is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games, just in my two kids' Steam oh, accounts. It's unbelievable.
0: You know? Yeah, just the proliferation is so much more than it was when we were younger. Um, I, I've thought about this a lot actually. Where like when I was a kid, I would you know a game would last me, and I, this sounds like one of those, like, oh, I, you know, I traveled uphill both ways sort of right. things, and it's not meant to, but, like, I mean, truly, a game would last me months, and it would have to, like, because that was the right. only game you got for a while, but yeah. now with all the Humble Bundle sales and the way Steam operates, like, Steam libraries are just enormous
1: as a matter of course. Right, right. So, like, but there are many, many games that I know my kids have never actually even played tried to play yet there are hundreds i haven't even tried to play
0: on mine because i buy it and i think well it'll be useful for the podcast i have to play this at some point and it just sits there
1: forever so for me the the but so i do enjoy video games but i'm not i wouldn't call myself a gamer and like i tried Fortnite a couple times and felt humiliated and
0: stopped (laughs) you and i are (laughs) on the same boat there um so but let me ask like so why did you why did you decide to um what made you decide to uh, do video games here? Then, like, uh, you know, as like a as a focus for this book, it's not necessarily the whole focus. You know, we, we've talked about how the how technology and socialism and uh, communism and and all the all the various ways in which we can understand our you know material and cultural means of production are in there as well. But I mean, video games are are sort of like the front facing part of this. So, the, the what made you pursue book? that?
1: Yeah, the, the germ of this book is is another one of these family stories, like. One of the things that happened to me, uh, as my kids were growing up, is that for a long time when they were young, I could just always beat them in any video game. <laughs> it, was, it was easy, you know. I sure. was better at video games. I've been playing for a long time, and we'd pick up a new game, and I'd beat them. And then, that must have been gratifying. Yeah, it was always great. I mean, that's that's you know, I don't have a lot of them in my life, but I had that. But. Um, <laughs> But then my uh, son Benjamin, who's now in university, uh, decided he wanted to get good at Super Smash Brothers Melee. And okay. my the the skills I'd picked up from playing Street Fighter 2 on a you know in an arcade or
0: well that's not what you need to play uh, Smash.
1: That's, no, but, <laughs> those right, are right. different skills. But I know I exactly just thought, how you feel though. Right. I, so I just like okay, I'm Chun Li. I'm gonna kick him in the head. And I was just getting wiped out. I was one. Of, I, there was a time where I was like, "This is a terrible story." But he was like, "It was a Friday night," and he's telling me he wants to go to bed. And it's like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. And I said, "One more <laughs> game. <laughs> one more game. We're gonna do this again." God, like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, And then I could not win. I could not beat him. And uh, so I was like, "I'm gonna get back. I'm gonna write a novel where the father is the best." super smash brothers melee player in the world (laughs) nice (laughs) i like that (laughs) it's like a it's
0: it's it's the kind of power fantasy i can get behind where the dad is now the (laughs)
1: best right right like the middle aged uh father who can't figure out you know anything about how to make the stupid moves work uh it does now like the original idea was part of the ai would help uh the father become the the Super Smash Brothers melee champion of the world. Oh, okay. It would have like a it would have a karate kid type of, you know, you're the best around (laughs) kind of quality too. Right, yeah, Uh, okay. But as I wrote the book, that didn't seem that became less and less compelling for me as uh, so that sort of is in there, but it's not really it's I mean it's it's it's
0: it's fascinating that like that germ could go away, but the the sort of like technological quality of the text still Reads very, I mean, it, it reads as if you have a passion for it. Like, that passion still comes through. The sort of sense right. of, like, what is important about it to you comes through. Despite the fact that, like, the actual germ has nothing to do with your, you know, you know need to play every video game that comes out or something. No. Um, and, I mean, maybe it's better for that, honestly. Because you don't have, you don't have the baggage of, you know, someone's opinions on video games. Which, I don't know if you follow video game journalism at all, but is a... Uh, A horrible thing to have an opinion on video games. It almost always ruins (laughs) any work.
1: Right. I don't have a lot of opinions about game, about the games that come out. I mean, I have a few games I like, and I don't have any opinion about any strong, firm opinion about whether gamers are good or bad or gaming is good or bad. Um, To me, it is a little bit just natural, almost. I mean, it's not at all. But uh, (laughs) I, I, I played, you know space invaders and pac-man and uh i was really good at centipede and then i mm-hmm. later on street fighter and i you know i played i love portal and so you know and and they're all the same thing in the art for it's an art form and now it's bigger than hollywood so to yeah. rail against it just is ridiculous i think yeah no that makes sense um so i mean you said the book isn't selling well which Surprises me. I didn't say a, wasn't it wasn't selling well. It's just oh, not good. as well as I expected, but I but it isn't selling well. But I didn't say <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't say that, but you'll, you'll say it now that I brought it up. <laughs> right. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, to hear it's that selling well it to libraries and it's selling well. Um, so yeah, it's to libraries and things because it got good reviews and like the and the Publishers Weekly. It's not in Booklist and it didn't get reviewed at all in Publishers Weekly, but Booklist and then the school library journal and it's been recommended okay. and it was in uh, game it was on game inform in game informers magazine as recommended reading for the fall Nice. but somehow it just hasn't um, found its audience and one of the things is that the publisher that it that published it has had like massive layoffs around oh, now so, well, the, yeah, so the publicity that'll do it. isn't and I'm I work on my own like I work for zero books and I have not been able to dedicate the time and energy that I might normally Dedicate to uh, hustling and getting promotion out for the book. Well, so but I think once the oh, book get, gets in kids' hands, that it will be. I think I am still hold out hope that it will be like a sleeper hit because I think um, it's my most accessible novel. Well, it's I was not about May that. 1968 and... or or anything like that. Go ahead. No, 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 please. What were you saying? I said it's not. about, my first novel is about May 1968 and okay. the students. <laughs> yeah, were, that's that's a little so inaccessible. Right, right. This is, this is more accessible than that.
0: Anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, so, like, one of the things I was going to say about it, though, is that it is, like, one of the best parts about it is it's super accessible. Like, it, it really does feel like a novel that, you know, the, this sounds so cheesy, so you almost don't even want to say it, but, like, it feels a little like a novel anyone could enjoy on some level. And particularly, like, a, you could enjoy it if you were part of this particular cultural moment, right? where like in fact, or or the cultural moment we sort of described where the whole point is being part of, I don't know, being part of a technological group that feels at once uh, disaffected and um, disconnected and also more connected than ever before. Like the, this, this deeply controversial and contradictory paradox, I mean dialectic really, of, uh, of mass connection and mass disconnection that, you know, political columnists always spill so much ink over.
1: Right. It does. I mean, one stupid kid on um, Goodreads uh, wrote a review <laughs> of my novel saying, um, more video games, less philosophy. I've heard all of this from my Amish parents. What? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Well, there he he read a anti-technological critique, Oh, anti-video game critique into the book. I don't think it's and, anti-tech. There's a
0: critique, but I wouldn't call That's really interesting. So are a lot yeah. of people reading it as anti-technological? No,
1: uh, not really, just that guy. But I <laughs> it stuck with me. Um, uh, but I do think that there's a danger in, with this cuz we hear oh everyone looks at their phones too much and oh we're all, you know, being alienated by Interacting with each other through computers rather than, you know, back in nature like we did in, I don't know, when. And, and, yeah, sure. Uh, Everyone has uh, a fantasy about what the, the, the good old days, right? Right. So there's this sort of cliched critique of video game culture and internet culture. And I don't quite think this book reproduces that.
0: No, it's, and I, I would agree. I mean, it's it, it's all in the first chapter where, like, again, like, that first chapter is really, really well done uh, in, insofar as, like, it even touches on that where it, it's clearly not, you know, because the, the person says it's just like it is in Bash. So it's clear that, like, the, the narrator doesn't like this current gaming, but he is not anti-gaming. He knows about video games. He knows, like, he knows, you know, deep referential points to them. So, like, it, it's clear that this is not going to be one of those books where, like, some jaded old guy is like, ah, these kids, they don't get what's real about the world, and then tells, like, a, you know, a on-the-road style story about having drugs with his friends or whatever. Like, right. it's, it's told from someone who cares about video games on some level, and that in itself is kind of unique.
1: Yeah, it's definitely told from the point of view of a kind of gamer, a uh, a guy who would like to be a casual gamer but quite isn't quite. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. like, he, he, he wants to deny it, but he can't.
0: <laughs> so, um, I mean, we're coming on in about an hour. I don't want to keep you too much yeah. longer, but I wanted to ask, like, what? Let me ask you as like a last question. What uh, do you? Well, I'm trying to think of a good last question because I want to ask a video game question. I want to ask a literary question. How about this? What What about your writing, publishing, gaming Parenting career have we not touched on that you'd like to you'd like to talk about because I find it all super fascinating.
1: Well, this is always I, I always throw this question out to my guests as well at the end and and um,
0: uh, I I like it because it makes them uncomfortable but then right it, they uh, always do always exactly good what I'm results. doing now It's like
1: oh um let I me mean, think about everything we just talked about yeah, um, yeah. but it always um, works I, <laughs> I would say uh, what, often enough people will say to me oh no I think we covered it all which but I'm going to try to be more clever than that. <laughs> and more, and self-promote a little bit more. Smartest guy in the room. Uh, uh, one thing that I would say is that um, w- we didn't talk a- 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 about how the novel has a, a-, a kind of an apocalyptic quality. Mm, yeah. That, that that one of the things that's driving this book Very is true. the sense. I mean, we did talk about it because you brought up climate change, but it wasn't clear that um, the The sensibility in the book is that um, there is Armageddon coming around the corner. That's actually why one of the reasons why Bucky's plan to take over humanity is getting support by not just teenagers who like video games, but also people who work for the NSA. Um, So there's that part of the book. There is a kind of a thriller aspect to it too. And, and I do think that speaks to our sensibilities today. Although I really think that in just a few years, the, uh, focus of our, um, fear has all shifted a little bit. Like when I wrote the book, it was easy to worry about, to imagine people worrying about nuclear Armageddon again, Right
0: yeah the, the that brief that brief moment when they did with uh, with North korea
1: right well yeah right it was also though uh, in the in the election there was a sense that maybe the the cold War could be restarted again sure. that yeah, there yeah, was yeah right. all sorts of different ways that the nuclear threat could could hang over our head, and this sort of global threat to humanity was palpable, but I think since then the threat has become other people, hmm that in our and much more immediate and whoever is wearing the wrong i mean if you're wearing a maga hat that's you're the same thing as a nuclear bomb now and um yeah and, that, that that just seems true but yeah <laughs> i don't know right i mean it seems like an obvious thing i'm not trying to defend people in maga hats but i'm just saying that just like, I'm, focus... gonna, I'm gonna call this
0: episode defending people with maga hats oh, god
1: damn it no you don't <laughs> <laughs> i get you're, so much trouble already now lane <laughs> Ah, uh, OK. Anyway, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, uh, no. But no, no, no I, I, I hear what you're saying. Like, it is yeah. it is about
0: it's much more about like the the people around and, I mean, even even in terms of climate change. Right. Like the the the, the primary way it's understood now is um, these idiots are going to get us killed because they don't know what they're doing. Like they're, we, we could do this, but they're like they're too. These MAGA guys are. And, I mean, like, that's Trump in, that's in the book, in too, right? Are gonna get Trump is the
1: reason we're going to get killed in the book. I mean, he's the Armageddon in the book. I'll just that's a spoiler, right. but Trump is yeah. a problem in, in the novel, uh, or at least part of the problem, a major part of the problem, and they can't figure out how to solve it. Uh, right, and uh, but but I think that there was a universality to the there's a universality in the novel that I would hope people could get back to. Like, this is a better armageddon than everyone ripping each other's eyes out on the streets Hmm.
0: (laughs) you know Uh, i like i like i like that as an alternative too and i'll 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 let you go after this but i like that as an alternative to centrism that like it's not like let's get back to civility it's um this is a better armageddon (laughs) like like, it doesn't have to be civil like if we're all gonna die let's at least die in a in a better way
1: (laughs) (laughs) right yeah that's it so that's that's what i'd say but i mean like, there's, there's a hopefulness to this book because it does assume that there's a collective humanity. Great. Um, and uh, I, so that's uh, that's something I, I guess maybe I'm just moralizing here at the end. but um, I like but it. That's, what that's exactly when you should moralize. Okay. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> well, Doug,
0: thank you so much for coming on. I, I would love to have you come back again and we can talk about some more stuff that we didn't for like a bonus episode or something because this was great. Well, um, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, and, and everyone should buy the book. It's actually really great. I, I'm not just saying it because Doug was on the show. Uh, Bash Bash Revolution. It's uh, if you like my show, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy it. I, I don't think there's too much of a disconnect. Game
1: Informer recommended it. Yeah.
0: And I how, mean, c-
1: how much better could it be? I mean, you know, that's a, that's <laughs> got to be the place to look for book recommendations for anyone who's Informer worried about and
0: ethics and game journalism, though. Uh, don't worry. Uh, no one was paid for this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did not yeah, I didn't pay for
0: that. No, it, uh, n- neither I nor Doug has been paid ever. Uh,
1: we that. <laughs> yeah, that's goddamn uh, right.
0: Well, and and they could find you uh you you tweet a lot at Zero Books Zero with Z-E-R-O, but the uh O is a Z. And mm-hmm. then um you uh you have Douglane.com. Yeah,
1: Douglane.com or Douglane. Douglaslane, actually, Douglaslane. Oh, Douglaslane. Oh, very formal yeah. Douglaslane.com or Douglaslane.net. You can also listen to my podcast every week it's the zero squared podcast which i do for zero books um yes definitely and we're on we have a youtube channel and we wow. do youtube videos for them so check out the zero books youtube channel
0: yeah and,
1: check it out. uh and there's a possibility that it's some sort of short will be coming out around bash and uh yeah and go to your local library and pick up a copy is what i always yeah, say yeah or, or um, buy it <laughs> buy it too if I you suppose. can
0: afford it yeah <laughs> if you can't go ahead and pick it up at the library that's what they're for All right, thanks, Doug.
1: Uh, Hope to have you back soon. Yeah.